Well, good morning, church family. Glad you're here this morning. And uh, as we look to uh, take time uh, to be holy by looking into the holy word of God, uh, the holy Bible, as it says on the outside of many of your Bibles, um, let's go ahead and commit our time to the Lord in an opening word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us today, that we are alive, that we have breath in our lungs, and our heart is beating in our chest. That means that we have one more opportunity, one more uh, chance to look into your word together as a body of believers here on earth to not only take time to be holy uh, individually, but as a body of believers, uh, because the world needs to see your holiness. They need to see your glory. They need to stop looking internally and looking at themselves only. Uh, They need to be exposed to the light of the gospel of Christ. And so, Father, Lord, as we open up your word this morning in Ephesians chapter 5 and the call to wake up, Uh, may ring in our ears from beginning to end uh, and would not leave our ears or our minds or our hearts once we leave this place this morning, but would be part of who we are in the weeks to come. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today our text is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Uh, We did take a look at 13 and and part of 14 last time. The main portion of what I'm going to be focusing on is the end of verse 14. Uh, And I have entitled today's sermon, Wake Up. You may be thinking you're awake this morning as you're sitting in that pew or listening online, but there's a possibility based off of our text this morning that you may be asleep or even dead and not know it. And so this morning, we're going to be taking a look at the text. And I believe as we take a look at this, and you know, as you look at the scriptures, as you have read them, as you've memorized them, you know, some scriptures just stick with you. Scriptures that you see that are more powerful and profound, if that that is even a possibility, considering all of the scripture is God-breathed. You know, and as I was thinking about verses, you know, some came to mind, and I'll have you know it took me a while to get it down to just three to share with you this morning, just as a way in which to help you see that sometimes the Word of God can do something we don't expect. But Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Another verse or two is in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Or how about Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39? For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, these scriptures from time to time in our Christian life can really just ring true in our hearts, our minds, and our souls. And the Spirit works in just an amazing way to bring scriptures into and bring to our notice scriptures for the purpose of drawing us closer to God, but also to to help us grow in our faith and our trust in God. And I believe that the text today is one of those verses. Maybe you've never looked at it uh, or given it a second thought. But the text says, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, as I took a look and as I poured over this, and as we look at the context in which this verse is, and as Paul has been challenging believers to imitate uh, God, as we've been called to put off the old and put on the new, as we've been called to not participate in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead to live in light of who we are in Christ. Paul places this verse right here, and for some commentators, they actually think that this verse is speaking to non-believers. Because it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and let Christ shine on you. Is it possible for a believer in Jesus Christ to still be dead? Can they be a sleeper? You know, as I consider this text, and, you know, some, like I said, will say it's just to unbelievers. But I think that there's actually a, a call here as this text is repeated by Paul, which some even argue as to where it came from, because they don't even know exactly what verse Paul is referring to in the Old Testament. And so I'm going to actually take and look at this text and share with you this morning what I believe God's laid on my heart in relation to this actually bridging both. Because there's a message here for unbelievers today and a message for believers. With that said, I'd like to begin by speaking to anyone who has never put their faith and trust in Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you have come to church off and on your entire life. Maybe you're curious as to what church is really all about. Are, are these Christians that are here at Ellington Baptist Church real? Are they any different than me? What's the big deal with salvation? Well, the call here in our text and this first point is to wake those that are spiritually dead. So with the text, I say, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. God as the creator is the standard of everything. See, whether you believe it or not, whether you embrace it or not, you cannot change the truth about who God is. God is the creator of all things. There is nothing that exists that God has not brought into reality, that he has not fashioned and created with his almighty power, with beautiful design, things that scientists and doctors and people of, of all nationalities, male or female, have contemplated and looked at and gazed at in awe and wonder. 
Friday night, there was a, a, a spectacular sunset as we were here doing Olympians and Gopher Buddies. That was God's design because he is the creator of everything. And there is nothing right now on this planet, yourself included, that God is not sustaining life in you. The reason you can breathe in at this moment is because of God's grace in your life. The reason that your heart is beating in your chest is because of God's grace to you in this life. He is the creator. He is the one that separated mankind from the rest of creation itself. We are not animals. We are not like the animals. People do act like animals from time to time. But the Bible is very clear that God created us in his image. And he gave man an eternal soul. We sung about the God who is eternally holy. That's who God is. And no one is holy apart from God or God's intervention in our lives. But because he is the creator, that makes him the standard for everything. He is the one who can say, this is the law. You may not like that law. You may choose to disobey that law, but that does not change the truth that it is God's law and that he is the creator of all things. That truth is timeless. That truth is eternal because our God is eternal. James 4.12 says, There is only one lawgiver and judge, one, one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. Whether you believe that or not does not change that truth. God has established his law, and that's how we know what is right and wrong. And it's by that law that God is going to judge each and every one of us. And God's call in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 is that we should be perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. Now, that doesn't mean that you have good intentions. That doesn't mean that you can be perfect for a nanosecond, which I could argue with you is an impossibility. Because apart from God's grace in my own life and coming to a realization that God is the creator and the lawgiver and that I stand guilty before him, that I can begin to appreciate and understand what it means to take time to be holy. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. We are sinners before the holy God of all. This is each and every one of us here this morning, myself included, each and every person who has ever lived apart from Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We are all sinners before a holy God. Psalm 14, verses 2 and 3, and listen to this. This is not my words. These are God's words. This is what God, the creator, who is sovereign over all of his creation, that none of creation is a maverick, you know, molecule going somewhere else on its own. But instead, it is under the control of God Almighty. Listen to what he sees when he looks down from heaven. It says, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man. That's each and every one of us here. 
to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. And you would think as God's looking down at heaven, there's got to be somebody. It's probably me. You can laugh, it's not me. (laughs) Apart from God's grace in my life. But it says here, God looks to see if anyone understands who seeks after God. Okay, and what is his assessment? They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none, N-O-N-E, not one, who does good. Not even one. That's a pretty sad commentary, considering the millions of people that live on this planet. You mean God can't find one person out of all the created beings on this planet that understands and seeks after God? Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. So that means each and every one of us sins. Each and every one of us has broken in God's law, has told the creator of all things, the ultimate lawgiver, that your law does not matter to me, it does not speak to me, it has no effect upon me. That does not change the truth of who God is. It does not change him. It does not change his law. It does not change the fact that as those created in his image and those that have eternal souls, that one day each and every one of us will stand before God and have to give an account to him. And see, the thing is, because we are sinners before a holy God, it says the wages of sin is death in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin, your payment for your sin for breaking God's law is death. Physical death, spiritual death. And when you die physically, you don't cease to exist. You don't come back as something else. Because God has created you, you will stand before him. So awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. There is good news. In Luke chapter 1, You may have heard of John the Baptist, who was a prophet of God, prophet of the Most High in the text, as it says, that was sent for the purpose of preparing the way for Christ to come. It says in Luke 1, 76 and following, And you, child, speaking of John, will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. For what purpose? Verse 77 tells us, to give knowledge of salvation. Well, what do I need to be saved from? Well, you are a sinner before a holy God who has broken that God's law, and you need to give an account for it. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Who's the sunrise? The one who is the light. The one who shows us the way. The one who is the truth and the life. And then it can present us to the Father because of what he has accomplished, what he finished, what he did. Not because of what we have done ourselves. 
Verse 79 goes on to say, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And we know earlier in Ephesians, it not only in darkness, they, you are darkness. You are darkness itself, and you need to have the light shine into that darkness to show you that death is real, that you do have to give an account to God, that there is a day coming of judgment. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. How can I have peace with God? How can I be made right? How can I make atonement for what I've done before God? Well, you can't make atonement. Only Jesus can. If you go to John chapter 1, speaking of John once again, it says, He, John, came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So even John was given an opportunity of a public forum to proclaim news, stepped aside, making it very clear that he was not the light, that he was not the Savior, that he was not the Messiah, that he is not the Son of God, but instead he came to bear witness about the light. That's why when we go to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying that the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel because God's kingdom is at hand. That means Turn in the opposite direction from your sin. Sin's not even in your view any longer. What's in your view is Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and his provision for you as the substitute for your sin. What is that gospel of God that was proclaimed? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He didn't just die. Verse 4 says that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. So this was all part of God's plan from the beginning because God knew that man could not save himself, that man can never measure up to the glory of God. We will always fall short. That's why we need a Savior it's not much good for a Savior to come and save if the people don't need to be saved. We are lost. As God looks down from heaven to see if anyone understands, does anyone seek for God? None. No, not one. That's why the Savior came. So awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. Only Jesus can save us from our sins. That's why it says in Acts 4.12, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Buddha's name will not get you into heaven. Being religious will not get you into heaven. Being better than the rest of the world will not get you into heaven. Your sins can only be atoned for by the perfect sacrifice 
And that sacrifice comes only through one individual. That's why there's only one name under heaven by which we must be saved, and that's Jesus. 1 John 5, 11 and 12 says, And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Not in you, not in church, not in the pastor, not in your parents, not in the Pope, his son, Jesus. Because whoever has the son, guess what? Has life. But it also goes on to say, whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. That means you're dead. That means that the wages of your sin is death. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, clarifies that you can't save yourself Because it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. You cannot earn a gift. If you earn it, it's not a gift. It's God's grace, his mercy, and his justice coming all together on the cross. Because Jesus took the wrath that you deserve because you broke God's law, not because Jesus did. Jesus fulfilled the law. He was perfect in thought, word, or deed. Not the result of work so that nobody would boast because we would pridefully boast if we had any ounce, one item, one letter in relation to saving, we would boast about it. And that pride itself would be a sin. So we cannot save ourselves. And if we go back to the original premise... There's none who understands. There's none that seeks for God. That's why the proclamation of the gospel must go forth. And the Spirit will do the work of regeneration and opening people's eyes to their need of a Savior. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's all about Jesus. The word of God is all about God's redemptive plan through Jesus. All the way back to the garden. All the way back to God's judgment on Adam and Eve's sin and God's judgment upon Satan. The gospel is right there. For with the heart one believes and is justified or declared righteous, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now, you may be sitting here this morning and thinking, well, Pastor Bill, I've heard this before. But you know, there's some aspect in many churches that is lacking because me just saying that you need to trust Jesus and repeat a prayer after me does not save you. Because you need to understand that you are under God's judgment because you have transgressed God's law. So awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. A day of judgment is coming for the unsaved. That means anyone who is living in the flesh as an unbeliever who has never repented and believed in Jesus. Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7. It says, and the dust returns to the earth as it was. So when your physical body dies, just as God from the dust formed man... Your, to dust, your body will return. 
But that's not the end. That's not the whole equation. Listen to what it goes on to say. And the Spirit returns to God who gave it. And why does the Spirit go back to God? Because God is going to hold you accountable for what you've done in relation to his law. And if the scriptures are true, which they are, everyone is a sinner. Everyone is guilty. There's none righteous, no, not one. That's why we read, as the Spirit returns to God who gave it, in Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 and following. John says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. So even the creation itself knows, in relation to the judgment and the wrath of God, that it flees from the presence of God. Verse 12, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. So if you think you can get away with stuff just because others don't see it, God sees everything. He sees the, the physical things that happen. He sees into the depths of your heart to know why you do what you do. He knows your thoughts even before you think them. And because God is just, he cannot let those things go unpunished. Verse 13 says, And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades got up, or gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they have done. You hearing that? God, the creator of all things, the sustainer of life, the lawgiver, you have to give an account to him. He is the one who says where you will spend eternity. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And this verse should send chills down anyone's spine that does not know God. And if anyone's name was not written or not found written in the book of life, they were thrown into the lake of fire. See, that's the final judgment. That's you paying the price for your sin, which every last one of us in this room, myself included, deserve. We deserve that punishment because we broke God's law. We stand guilty before the holy God of all, the one we sung about this morning. So my call to you, if you've never humbled yourself, if you've never repented and believed in Jesus Christ, let Christ shine on you this morning. Stop running, stop suppressing, stop pushing back, stop thinking that you've got plenty of time because even that you don't know. We're here one day and gone the next. Life is a vapor. John 4, 12, 46 says, I have come into the world as light. Why? So that whoever believes in me, believes in Jesus, may not remain in darkness because 
the light of Christ, which is the light of truth, which is the light of holiness, can shine into your darkness and open your eyes to spiritual realities to help you see you need a Savior. And that the ultimate judgment of God is deserved, but by the grace of God, he sent his son, Jesus. Jesus took my place because I deserve that lake of fire. But by the grace of God, because the Spirit worked in my heart, in my mind, and showed me my need, I don't fear death. Death is just walking through one door into the next to be in the presence of my Savior forever. So let Christ shine on you today. Repent and believe. But as I said in the beginning, I think that this has a dual application. So now that every believer that's been sitting here this morning saying, yes, Pastor Bill, amen, there's an application for every believer here this morning as well. So awake those that are spiritually sleepy. Because I have a call to each and every believer here today. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. A day of judgment is coming for believers. Do you know it's possible to come to church while being spiritually asleep? Do you know that you can pray to God while experiencing a spiritual siesta? Did you know that you could sing songs to God while being in a spiritual slumber? Did you know that you can sit under the teaching of the word of God and spiritually snooze? Did you know you can serve in the church and be spiritually dozing? And finally, did you know that you could be a Christian and spiritually getting your 40 winks? Now, I did a little play on words there to kind of give you different words to consider for sleeping. But see, the call here is awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead. It is possible for someone who has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb to just find themselves going through the motions of the Christian life as if they're asleep, almost looking like they're dead. They just come and go, and they're here and they're not here. The Holy Spirit indwells them, but they're quenching and suppressing the Spirit. But see, the thing is, is we sung, take time to be holy. Our God is holy. And just because we've experienced salvation and freedom from the slavery to sin, and now there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, does not mean that that is the end. We can't go through the Christian life just coming to church and filling a pew seat. Sometimes when you pray, does it feel as though your prayers don't go past the ceiling of Ellington Baptist Church, which is pretty high? You know, it's possible to come and sing songs and just repeat words because you know the tune, you know the words, but have it not arise in you any sort of the Spirit guiding you in those truths. Because again, remember, the songs we sing are not for our entertainment. 
The songs that we sing are to give testimony to the truths that God has revealed to us in his word. To live in light of those, to say, God, I agree with you. I do love you. And I want everybody else around me to know that. It's possible to even sit under the teaching of the word of God and be so spiritually asleep that you don't get anything out of it. Feel like you're not getting fed. You feel like there's, there's nothing in there for me. But does the Spirit of God indwell you? Whose word is it? Is it Pastor Bill's word? No. It is the Creator God's word, who is sovereign over all. So if we're not getting anything out of it and sitting underneath the word of God, we could be spiritually sleeping because we don't have a love for the word of God. We should love God's word so much that we want to be in it as much as we possibly can because God's word informs us. It is our guide. It is the light. It shows us examples of those that were both at the bottom as well as at the top in their spiritual walk. You know, you can just fill a role at Ellington Baptist Church. You could be on a particular committee. You could be fulfilling an office and doing it, which looks to be really good. But you're doing it for the wrong reason. Maybe because you want to be patted on the back. Or maybe just because you think that's what pleases God, but I'm not really doing it out of love for God. Or just being a Christian. Does that mean I really have to be Christ-like? Does that mean I have to get up every day and say, well, God, if you care, here I am. See, the thing is, is that this call, I believe, is to the church as well. To wake up. To see that we live in a fallen world and that we are the light of the gospel of the glory of God to a, a dark and fallen world. And that begins by what we do and how we engage church. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 and 11 says, Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now, this is not the great white throne that we're talking about. This is a judgment on how you live your Christian life. To shed a little bit more light on it, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day, the day of the Lord, will disclose it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So have we done that work in a spiritual slumber? Are we sleeping instead of living in light of who we are? Verse 14, if, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, so that means that there's a possibility that your work isn't going to survive the fire. That's the wood, hay, and straw. 
Maybe those are the works that are done when you're in your spiritual slumber. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do we want to stand one day before God and have nothing of value to offer back in love to our Savior and love to the Father and love to the Holy Spirit because of what he has done for us? It's not just enough to be saved out of the darkness. You've been given the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've been freed from sin. You have no condemnation before God because Jesus Christ paid your price, but not so that you have the liberty to be spiritually asleep. The world needs to see believers that are alive. The church needs to be alive. So where are you on that spectrum? My call to you as well, brothers and sisters in Christ. And know this, as I prepared this, conviction came on my heart in relation to, well, what areas am I asleep in? What areas do I need to give back to God and say, God, help me, help me love you more? Tell me what I need to surrender so that I can be closer to you. None of us are immune. So my call to myself first as well as to you, my brothers and sisters, let Christ shine on you. Because when he shines on you, he will also shine through you. His morals, his character, and glory will shine light, an ethical light, in a dark, dark world. See, people need to know that we're different. They need to see Jesus. They need to have Jesus shine on them as he's shown on you. Jesus didn't just shine on you so that you can be a light under a bushel. Don't hide your light under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. We teach the kids that. But as adults, do we live that? What ways in which can we improve? We're not perfect. And I'm not... Take time to be holy should mean something. Because you can't take anything from this world with us. Why would you want to? When you've been given the glories and the riches of Jesus Christ. To be able to be in the presence of God Almighty forever. Doesn't mean that you can't enjoy what God has blessed you with, but think first and foremost, am I enjoying them at the expense of being spiritually alive? So how should this inform our lives today? These questions can be for either a believer or an unbeliever this morning. Because if you don't have the answers to these questions, then you have your answer. What rivals for your affection? What do you live for? When was the last time you enjoyed the joy of the Lord? 
Even David prayed, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Does your soul delight greatly in the Lord? Do you enjoy coming to church on Sunday because you, one, get the opportunity to worship God with other believers that have been saved just like you? Have you seen God's faithfulness to you recently? See, the thing is, if we go living our lives as if God does not exist outside of this church building, and even within this church building, you're spiritually in a slumber, then you're going to be walking through life like a dim bulb, lacking energy, lacking focus, lacking the ability to know which direction you should go, what decision should I make, why am I going through this, why is this happening to me? Because you're going to go somewhere looking for those answers. And the question is, where do you go? Is your heart broken over sin? Do you look at your life and realize that, you know, I'm, that's just my Achilles heel and I always will struggle with that? No. Take time to be holy. Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. See, we have the Holy Spirit living in us for a reason as a seal because God now owns us because we've been bought and paid for by his son's precious blood. But he's also there to help guide us and propel us to draw us closer to the Lord, to help us see our sin and confess it to God, not to live in it, to not allow it to be part of our life and just say, everyone else is doing it, so why shouldn't I? Making justifications or, you know, exceptions or compromises. Do the things of this world appeal to you more than God's kingdom? See, for every believer here this morning, God's kingdom should be number one. Not number two. Not if I get to it. Number one. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. So maybe you're here this morning, and for the first time, your need of a Savior has become visible because the light of the truth of the gospel of God is shining in your hearts through Christ. For anything that becomes visible is light. So maybe you're here this morning as a believer and you have to admit, you know what? I've been dozing. Holy Spirit, invigorate me. Make the word of God alive to me. May the songs that I sing be from a grateful, worshiping heart. When I come together with my brothers and sisters in Christ, I love the fellowship. I love being able to share with them as they share with me. As I serve on that particular committee, I'm serving because God has gifted me, but also, too, because I love the body of Christ, because I'm part of something bigger than just myself. I'm part of a body, part of a family. Don't settle for being a spiritually sleepy Christian. 
So therefore it says, and this is the final call, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Awake. Wake up. Unbelievers, wake up. Church family. The ultimate goal is God's glory. And he will be glorified even in his judgment, even in people spending eternity in a lake of fire. Because that is the justice that his holiness demands. But he's also glorified when people put their faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ, who paid their penalty for their sin against a holy God. Believers that should take time to be holy. Let's bow for a closing word of prayer. Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And sometimes the truth of your word hurts. It hurts because that means that we are still holding on to sin or we're choosing to remain stagnant or idle instead of realizing that we are called scripturally to be moving forward, to be pressing forward, to live in light of who we are in Christ as those that are ambassadors for you. Ambassadors cannot hide under bushels. So, Father, Lord, I pray for each of my brothers and sisters here this morning, myself included, that you would show us the areas that we need to surrender to you that we are being spiritually sleepy in. Because we want you lifted up and on high. We want you glorified. We want to sing holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So, Father, work in our hearts. Draw us closer to you. May we surrender to the Spirit this morning. And Father, I pray for those that maybe do not know you. Maybe they've been coming to church thinking that coming to church is what saves them or being good is what saves them. Or being part of a larger church and being under a pope that saves them. Being better than everyone else that saves them. So, Father, your word has been proclaimed this morning, and I pray your spirit would work in their hearts for them to see that they cannot save themselves, that they don't understand apart from your word that they are in need of a Savior. And so, Father, I call on them to repent and to believe, to know the joy of your salvation, to know the joy of the Lord, which is not contingent on what happens around us or to us, because joy is from you. It's God-given. So, Father, we ask that your spirit would work in a powerful way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.